0: To from the Friars' podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York City. Lord Jesus, we once again we welcome your presence here among us, and we ask you, Lord, that during this time of reflection, you would open our minds and our hearts more deeply. To your love, to your life, and to your light. Our Lady's seat of wisdom. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. this is a reading from Psalm forty-six. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we shall not fear though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble with its tumult. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. Be still and know that I am God. There's a French philosopher, Blaise Pascal. I believe he lived around the 17th century. And he said one time, that all of our problems stem from this one cause. Modern man cannot spend an hour in his room alone. What a profound statement. All of our problems stem from this one cause. Modern man cannot spend an hour in his room Alone. Imagine what he would say today. I think a modern version is the problem with modern people is that we cannot spend a half hour away from our cell phones. It's my own modern interpretation. (coughs) In other words, what he seems to be suggesting is that all or most of our problems are the result of a lack of stillness in our lives. Think about that just for a moment. How much stillness is in your life? Are most of your problems a result of a lack of stillness? You know, It's interesting, especially in our modern world, to sometimes see the connection that there is between various diseases and illnesses of body or mind that are the direct result of this sort of fast-paced, intense way of life that we as a culture have really adopted. When my uh, two nephews were were growing up, Mason is now 18 and Brayden is 12. But when they were younger, my sister did something with them that I'm sure you all did as as parents, is that when they were misbehaving, she would give them, which was quite often, (laughs) she would give them or put them in time out, right? So they would have to stand in the corner or stand in their room or go somewhere for a certain amount of time period. And I always thought that was interesting. Like, what was the purpose of that, right? On one level, is just to get rid of them.
1: Right? <laughs> <laughs> to get rid of the problem,
0: right? Go stand in the corner. Um, but as I was sort of reflecting on it one time, I think there's a much deeper and really profound reason for timeouts. And the reason was, my sister was giving them a chance to stop, to think about what they were doing and how they were living. Because the way that they were living, the way they were choosing to live, was having a negative effect on other people. Right? And so this time out was really an act of mercy. Otherwise, God only knows what they would have done. Right? It was an invitation for them to go deeper than just the surface of life, which is oftentimes very shallow and self-centered. Now we adults, I would say, need several time-outs a day. Now on this retreat, I'm not going to make anyone stand in the corner, so you don't have to worry about that. Well. I don't know, Bonnie but We'll see what happens. But I really believe that, that silent prayer, and what we're doing here on this retreat, is in many ways a time out. Right? It is a time to step aside. It is a time to let go. It is a time to stop uh, grasping at our life. And just to be with God. On one of these retreats, somebody, somebody shared with me the best advice they ever had for silent prayer. They said to a friend of theirs, they said, get committed to silent prayer, or get committed. Right? Wow. So get committed to practicing, to spending time in silence mm-hmm. with God, or basically, get committed to a mental hospital. <laughs> 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 We, we have this interesting phenomenon today called road rage, right? Mm-hmm. You probably don't get it much here in Montana, but in New York it's like every other car. <laughs> road rage has nothing to do with the road. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Generally what happens, someone cuts someone off or something happens on the road, and that's the last straw, mm-hmm. right, that breaks the camel's back, mm-hmm. right? Right? Generally, now not always, but generally, people who pray a little bit each day, maybe spend time with their family and and other good things like this, generally do not flip out on the road, right? But it's people whose lives are so intense, so fast, and who lack any kind of stillness, right? And I know in my own life, I've never really had road rage, but when there's a lack of stillness in my life, Everything's a mess, right? Everything is a mess. St. John of the Cross says, in one of his letters, he says, it is our anxieties that creates our needs. It is our anxieties that creates our needs. Very interesting, isn't it? We as a culture are more anxious than ever, and as a result, we have more needs than ever. And I think, you know is it any wonder, we spend so much time in front of a phone or a computer or a TV, and we watch somebody else's life, and then we compare it to ours. Believing that our lives are lacking. You know, I hate to say that, but that, that's really sick. <laughs> right? We spend so much of life watching other people's lives. As opposed to living our own. As opposed to this not recognizing how beautiful my life is. Just because it's not on TV. right? Just because my life doesn't have ratings. I'm the only one who watches my life. right? Now, if, if you ask me what the problem with the world is. It's a big question. But I think I would agree with Pascal. There is no stillness. There is little to no stillness in family life, in schools, and even in the church. You know, as, as a priest... I'm kind of like a dumping ground for people. I think sometimes I wear a sign that says, Dump all your problems with the Church on me. And over these years, I've heard lots of people's opinions on what the problem is with the Church. Sometimes people say, The problem with the Church is the liturgy. Right? Ever since we went to English, it's all been downhill ever since. Some people say the problem with the church is, is catechesis. Adults don't know their faith, right? And so that's the problem. Other people say the problem with the church is Vatican II. It was too much. It was too little. Whatever. I think the problem, or maybe not even call it the problem, but a struggle with the church, is there's, there's a lack of stillness, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not criticizing the church here, but think about this. How much stillness do you experience at a Sunday Mass? Right? My experience is when I'm in a parish, the second there's silence, there's another song, another announcement, something. And I oftentimes wonder why are we so afraid of stillness? You know, one one of the, the many gifts of the church is that. The church is very, very good at taking care of people, right? Whether it's immigrants, whether it's the poor, uh, whether it's refugees, our social services are phenomenal and beautiful, right? But why is it, and I've experienced this oftentimes, that when somebody is seeking like a deep spirituality, oftentimes they leave the church and they move towards Eastern things, Eastern uh, religions. And I think the reason for that is because they see very little stillness in the church. What they see is tremendous activity, which is all great. But Martha doesn't seem to be always balanced with Mary. And so something is missing there, right? You know, I just made, a couple weeks ago, I won't go into the details to here, but I just made one of the biggest discernment blunders of my life. I totally thought God was leading me speaking in a certain direction, and it turns out it was the complete opposite direction. And I think one of the reasons why I made that blunder is because I got so excited, I thought this was it, that I didn't sit with it. I wasn't still with it. I thought I heard something and I just acted on it without really spending time with God with that decision. And it was a, it's been a very interesting uh, journey. It's been very humbling. But I think that's why I can use that example, that oftentimes even when we, we think we're doing something God wants us to do, Sometimes we can just rush into it without being still before God with it, and we end up making a mistake. Thankfully, nobody got hurt. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and so, what is stillness? Well, I would define stillness as simply attention. Or maybe to put it more specifically reverent attention stillness is reverent attention of course to to god attention i believe is the cure for distraction So stillness means paying attention to the presence of God. With no other agenda, with no other desire, but this reverent attention to the presence of God. And you might ask why? Because God... Is stillness. Master Eckhart, a 12th century Dominican, once said that nothing in all of creation is so like God than stillness. Beautiful quote. Nothing in all of creation is so like God than stillness. And so if we are defining stillness as this reverent attention to God and we are saying that God is stillness, then the next question is what is God paying attention to? The answer is you and me. Now, I think God pays attention to the mountains as well and the trees, but we are His focus. And so, our stillness or our attempts at stillness is simply an imitation of God. Our attempts at a reverent attention to God is an imitation of God's reverent attention to us. It's this beautiful face-to-face, intimate staring at the other. St. John of the Cross has a, a beautiful image for this. He says that when, when God is, is moving deeply in a person, when God is working profoundly in, in somebody's soul, he uses the image of God to be almost like a, a painter or a surgeon. And we, the subject what the painter is trying to paint or the surgeon is trying to operate on. And he says, for God to complete his work, for the artist or the surgeon to complete their work, the patient, the subject, has to be still. Because if they keep moving around, what could start off as a kidney transplant could end up as a shoulder (laughs) surgery. So he says that when God is moving deeply in a person, the best thing to do is to be still, to let God do his work. And that's hard, because we usually want to do the opposite, because we're very uncomfortable with the intimate presence of God, and that's why we run. But notice that this stillness is always directed towards another. right? We're not just still for psychological, emotional, mental benefits, although certainly that's a fruit of stillness, but that's a, a side fruit. As the psalmist says that I read, he says, "Be still and know that I am God." right? Stillness provides this experience, this this knowledge, which is not intellectual knowledge, but this knowledge of God as the one that is beyond all that is, but at the same time as the one who is very intimate and very near. So stillness reveals to us both the transcendence and the imminence of God. Right? The transcendence meaning that God is, is so far beyond anything that we can understand or comprehend. And the imminence of God meaning that even though that's true, he's, he's always other, he's also closer to us, very near to us. I knew a, a priest friend who was a missionary in India And one day he went into the Catholic school, and he asked the kids, he said, where is God? And all the Catholic kids pointed up to heaven, and all the Hindu kids pointed to their heart. Now they're both wrong, and they're both right. (laughs) Right? God is certainly other, transcendent, yet also intimate, inside of us, dwelling within us. But it's always this balancing act that we have to have, right? Right? Too much intellectual study of God puts God out there, right? As almost like this this abstract, distant subject. But too much interiority can make God only in here. And I can fail to see, then, the presence of God in the world we live in. So stillness, I believe, is like this seesaw. It balances both the transcendence of God and the immanence of God. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is why I believe this is so important. Right? Mm -hmm. So if this is what stillness can reveal to me about God... What can stillness reveal to me about my life? Now you're going to want to write this down because you're never going to believe me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The primary fruit of stillness is the realization, the experience, that my life, your life, is perfect. Say that again? Yes. The primary fruit of stillness is the realization or the experience that your life, my life, is perfect. Now, what do I mean by that? I'm not saying that your life is or will be free from suffering, from trials, from pain, all of those things. But what I am saying, and really, I'm just quoting St. Paul, when he says that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. And stillness reminds us of this. In stillness, we encounter this loving God who is so great and so near. And it's an experience that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And since that is true, then your life is perfect. It has everything it needs. Stillness also reminds us that our entire life has always been in the hands of God. You know, if we just sat here and just listened, just listened to our breathing, that should lead us into awe and wonder at the mystery of life. It should remind us that we did not create ourselves. That somehow, some way, here I am, living my life, despite everything that's happened to me. You know, think about your lives for a moment, everything you've gone through. How are you still here? A couple months ago, I was flying somewhere. <laughs> and in the course of that flight, I was sitting next to a woman who just shared with me her, her entire life. And she had a lot of struggles. She's been, she went through a lot of difficulties in her life. And, you know, somewhere towards the end of their conversation, you know, she said to me, she said, I don't know how to live. Right? This was, she was 60 years old. And she said, I don't know how to live. And I, and I said to her, I said, well, you must be doing okay. I mean, you're 60 years old, and here we are at 40,000 feet. <laughs> right? I'm like, how did that happen? Right? And this woman started crying. And I said to her, I said... It seems like somebody else. I would call that person God. You might not be comfortable with that language, but that's what I would call him. It seems like somebody else is involved in your life. I don't know any other answer. In the book of Exodus, there's a great line when the Lord says through Moses, he says, the Lord will fight for you you have only to be still. It's Exodus 14:14. 14, 14. What's interesting about those words, like all the Bible is is context. Those words are given to Israel right before she crosses the Red Sea. How can they be still when Egypt Is right on their backs. When God says be still to them, and to us as well, he doesn't necessarily mean sit down, don't walk through the water. But he's reminding Israel and us to pay attention to me. Pay attention to God in the midst of your life. Because as God says, I am fighting for you. Israel's whole existence doesn't make sense unless God intervened in their life and has fought for them. Our lives make no sense unless God has intervened in our life. And so when I told that woman on the airplane, it seems like someone else is involved in your life, I could have said... The Lord is fighting for you. Be still and you will know. And I could say the same for each of us. The Lord is fighting for you. You have only to be still. And I think we forget about God and we forget about His presence because oftentimes. We're not still. Our modern lives is very chaotic, right? It's anything but still. And probably most of that is beyond our control. But a lack of stillness leads to restlessness. It leads to insecurity. It leads to fear. irrational fear, which is most fear. Whereas the fruits of stillness are peace, trust, and faith. I have heard so often from people on retreat you know sometimes people will come on retreat whether it's a weekend or a five-day retreat and they'll come with which with this thing which they think is sort of the issue And by the end of the weekend or the week it's completely gone and the reason is is because they spent this time in stillness before god and they wondered this is nothing right god is fighting for me But in order for this to happen, we do need to cultivate stillness. God tells us through the psalmist, Be still and know that I am God. Right? Be still and know that I am looking at you. Be still and know that God is is holding you, that God is directing your life. This is why stillness is so important and why we can't afford to miss it. Amen. Amen.